Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I love Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for your Boston Celtics. John and Justin here. We are four games into the season, and if you're listening to this as soon as we release it, uh, we are in the midst of a back-to-back uh, and away and home, they're going to be facing the Memphis Grizzlies. Just wrapped up two games in a row against the Indiana Pacers. Uh, started off the season with a nice win against the Milwaukee Bucks and then obviously dropped a stinker to Kyrie and the Nets. Nothing more painful than Mr. Saging the Garden himself coming in and getting a big win. And, you know, KD isn't my favorite either, John. And then, of course, uh, that first loss against Indiana, close one, definitely could have been uh, definitely could have been in the Celtics' favor. Lots of things that they had to learn there. But the thing they learned as we record this after the second matchup with Indiana is <laughs> – Peyton Pritchard's ready to play. He is ready to play in this league. I had a good feeling about him even in the preseason. I think I tweeted out, John, while we were watching one of the preseason games. I already like him better than Carson Edwards and Traymond Waters, and uh, that's carried into the regular season. He's a scrapper, can hit some shots, and you know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of Steve Nash, the way that he's willing to dribble into the paint and circle around and explore options. Uh, that's I think that's only going to get better. And uh, we could talk about the lineups. We could talk about, you know, Tice and Thompson, which is something that you and I predicted in the preseason as uh, one of the more likely um, lineups. And it, it makes sense when you consider the opponents that they've had. But I think you got to take a look at Pritchard getting into that starting lineup because the ball has moved better when he's in the game. I mean, he's, he had the, uh, the fourth most uh, minutes tonight uh, after Tatum Brown and smart. And, and then comes in Peyton Pritchard. I mean, if you ask, ask this draft night, what's, what's Peyton Pritchard's role going to be on this roster? It's like, well, you know, maybe eighth, ninth man, try to, you know, scrabble out five, 10 minutes a night, you know, try to get some playing time. You know, maybe someone you bring off the bench for to be a show, a shooter. But when you look at the other guys that are coming off this bench right now, you need somebody who can fill it up. And and not only that, he's playing with such poise for for a kid who's who didn't get a summer league, who had two preseason games, who's known these guys for about five minutes, uh, and he comes out here and. Look, I'm not going to say he lit the world on fire. This isn't like Tyler Hero against the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. But but he provides something that this team needs in terms of some continuity, some energy. Or not continuity, but continuity in terms of offensive flow. He provides energy on both ends of the court. He provides pace. Uh, and he, and he can smart. make shots, oh, by and the way, which is a pretty yeah. important thing in this on this team. There aren't a lot of guys who make shots, and there's a number of possessions, particularly in that third and fourth quarter, 
where everyone's searching who's going to take the shot, who's going to take the shot, and they're just playing hot potato. Peyton's willing to take the shot for sure, and uh, it's paid off tonight, and it's paid off frequently over these first four games. He's got guts. He's got poise. He's smart with the ball. I mean, you know, maybe three possessions where I was like, ah, you probably shouldn't have shot that or you probably shouldn't have passed up that shot. But for the most part, I mean, he just has really great court awareness. And then all of a sudden Brown and and Tatum come back into the game. Things, you know, kind of slow down a little bit. He's not necessarily the focal point and he defers almost a little bit too much, but then almost he, but then he finds his way a little bit and gets a little bit more assertive again. And I think as he earns their trust and they see what he can do, especially when they're drawing attention, it's going to make a big difference. He also has already established chemistry. I think even more, I'd say with Robert Williams than with Tristan Thompson or Daniel Tice. I mean, he's had some nice plays there, but that one time where he drove and got it off the glass, knowing that he'd already drawn Indiana's big away from the paint and that Robert Williams was there. It gave him confidence. Like those are the kinds of heady plays that you just don't expect from a a young player. But the thing that I thought you see this all the time with players in Pritchard's position, right? Really great player in college, all four years. And usually what happens is they come to the NBA and physically they're outmatched. They're great shooters. They've got a couple of tricks in the bag, but they get, they're a little bit too one dimensional and not, not quite physically gifted enough to make it in the NBA. But the thing that we've seen him do a couple of times, he's turned the corner. I'm not sure he's as outmatched physically as I thought he would be. I think he's holding his own. I think he's, I think he's definitely holding his own. I mean, I think he's, he's, he's holding his own and he's setting a tone. <laughs> That's right. How do you like that? Um, right. <laughs> hey, um, I got bars, everybody. Uh, no, you know, he, it's he, he's he is certainly a guy who comes out there and he infuses others with energy. And I think that was the thing coming out of the draft that they needed. I mean, that, you know, we talked about them needing a toughness, needing them a grit to the team, and. You know, I, I I tweeted in the in the third quarter. I said this is a team, the Celtics, for a team without a, a lack of focus and a lack of effort. You know, there's just no focus. There was no like purpose to what they were doing out there. And Peyton Pritchard's effort really helped to to guide and, and to help that team find purpose. Uh, you know, they just they seem meandering at times this year. They, they seem like they don't know where they're going or what they're what they're out there to do. And, you know, a lot of that, usually people, when you hear those things, you look at the coach. Um, but I thought for, you know, particularly in those minutes in the second half, but even this, even the second quarter when, you know, Peyton had that, had a, a decent run there. Um, you know, he, he's just somebody who allows that to happen and allows other things to kind of fall into place. And that's what this team needs. We know that Tatum and Brown are going to be at the top of the ticket. We know that's, where they are. We know Smart's going to be a big player, but it's everybody else. How do they all fit? And I think part of the frustration that Brad's had, and we saw it when he pulled Tristan Thompson and and Tice uh, in the in the first game against Indiana and, and really went with Rob for a lot of it, they need – those other guys need to show effort. Those guys need to fill in the pieces. And when everybody else isn't showing effort, maybe because they're taking the lead from Tatum and Brown, or I don't know what the reasoning is, but but when those guys are doing less, then the whole thing doesn't work. And that's what we saw in the third quarter tonight, where nobody was really giving that effort. Nobody was trying to, to do what uh, what this team needs to win, including Tatum and Brown. They, you know, I think Jalen had a really rough third quarter. Um, this was... Peyton Pritchard's effort is the type of thing that all of those guys, including Tatum and Brown, but to a lesser extent, especially those <laughs> places three through 15 on the roster, have to do for this team to win. Otherwise, well, you know, shut the whole damn thing down and, and let's go talk about Keith Cunningham and uh, get on Tankathon. Well, and Marcus Smart is a big part of that. And I almost feel mm-hmm. like he really can't 
and we and we clamored for this on the last episode. We really want to see Marcus Smart be able to direct this offense. We want to see him lead it. We want him to be the playmaker. But I don't think that the other two stars, Jalen and Jason, are quite ready enough, you know, to be able. They're facilitating. They're doing some playmaking. But I think this will lend a little bit more to what you were talking about with Brad and the coaching piece and the effort piece when when we don't get that. Marcus leads on the defensive end. He doesn't lead as much on the offensive end. And I'm not trying to say that, you know, to compare and contrast Pritchard against Smart. But one thing we do know from all that we've heard from the very short training camp that there was, was that Pritchard came in and gave, you know, a Marcus Smart-like effort from the get-go, that tenacity, that desire. And so I think they'll play off of each other extremely well and what we've seen rotationally obviously is tice and um and uh um oh my god i'm tristan thompson uh (laughs) you know in in that front court and and i think that especially the the matchups that they were against that made sense but i think as they get away from the bigger teams uh that way that they can go to those smaller lineups and we'll talk about robert williams in this context as as well but but I think that Pritchard and, and Smart could play off of each other really where, well because when the energy isn't there, Smart's going to do more on defense, and it takes away from his ability to direct the offense. And sometimes he even gets conned into doing some ISO of his own, which is usually at that point already being overdone by Brown and Tatum. And so he's actually doubling down on the issue, whereas Pritchard's going to bring something different. And I think about – the camaraderie or the chemistry that him and Smart are building, it really stood out to me in the play in the fourth when Pritchard made kind of a lazy, I think it was a lazy turnover, but then books it all the way down the court. And I think it was Brogdon he knocked the ball loose from. Mm -hmm. Then Smart recovers it. They're both coming down. Smart kicks it over to Pritchard. And that right there to me was like Smart acknowledged Pritchard's effort. That ball went to Pritchard simply because he made a hustle play. But what does Pritchard do? He gives it right back to Smart for an open three-pointer. That that was the kind of thing I was like, I think those two are made for each other to bring out the best. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's I think that's very true. I think they're a really a really good pairing, truthfully. You know, and Peyton. Uh, oh God, I hate to say this. Um, I'll do it in honor of uh, our guy, Tommy Heinsohn, right? Um, you know, there's, there, I'll do it. What the hell? Peyton Pritchard, Oregon boy, uh, you know, star, you know, uh, guy a little bit on the younger side. And then he's paired up in the, in the backcourt with a defensive minded, uh, guard who's combo guard, but switchable, but really, one of the, the best defenders in the whole game. There's a lot of Danny Ainge and DJ kind of parallels. I was totally going to – you stole it. Holy I was thinking cow. The same I, yeah. Until you said it, I hadn't really kind of put it together. But, you know, people always say that there's a lot of, you know, Marcus Smart and DJ comparisons. I don't see it in part because just DJ was a different type of defender. But, um, man, yeah, there's some echoes there, huh? I mean, that's <laughs> – that's funny. That's really funny. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And you know, also to that, to that, you know, to your point, there was a lot of. Uh, I think the first person to kind of publicly comment about how great uh, Peyton was playing in, you know, kind of the um, whatever training camp they had was was Marcus. Camp, yeah, he yeah. was. So that's you know, it's even more to your to your uh, you know idea that that's. You know, that's the, the main thing. I just, you know, what I like is that he's he's taking what he's getting. He's getting an opportunity, and he's taking it. You know, the problem is, is that they need more than just Peyton Pritchard. <laughs> they need more than Marcus Smart. They need more than Peyton Pritchard. You know, um, Jeff T. They're going to need a lot more Ooh. Robert Williams, dude. Well, what's so funny yeah, let's is talk that about Robert first Williams. game, we're going to talk about Robert. We can come, we'll, we'll, we'll put a pin in Teague. But boy, yeah. did I think he was going to be it uh, after the first game. That was what we needed. And then all of a sudden, 
you know, uh, his shots just aren't falling and, and maybe he's pressing a little too much. So, but let's talk about Williams because one of the concerns and knocks on Williams has been the effort. And I think Mike and, and Scal got into this quite a bit during the broadcast and Scal gave lots of credit where it was due for Robert, just in the way that he started this season. Uh, you don't see that lackadaisical nature. And another thing he got beat a couple of times. But you are seeing Robert keep his feet planted a little bit yes. more. Once yes. they get once they get back to the basket, the athleticism doesn't do anything. He's got to hold ground. He's got to keep his hands straight up, not out over the defender. So he's starting to do that. And and if he and and you want to talk about chemistry, the same way I see that chemistry emerging between Peyton and Smart. I see it also emerging between Thompson and Williams. And I know we talked a lot about maybe it's Al Horford, maybe it's this guy, maybe it's that guy. But you almost got to wonder if Thompson's just, you know, bulldog mentality, similar to Smart's, is exactly what Robert Williams needed, you know, around him, you know, as a role model to really pull that out. Now, he's going to be way different than Thompson. Yeah. But but if he can bring the same kind of attitude and those two just rooting for each other, that could be another nice, uh, you know, maybe not pairing on the floor at the same time, but definitely a nice mentor mentee relationship might be have might have some serious. I mean, we were thinking Robert was kind of on the line this year. Right. So hopefully he's feeling that even though they are going to extend him. I mean, I think. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, that's just the for the one year. But he, the thing with the thing that <laughs> with Rob is that he has put himself in a position now where, um, you know, the Celtics really by going with Thompson and Tice, they're really saying we we it's important to us as a team that Robert Williams gets minutes, which I mean, the Celtics clearly the Celtics play better when they have one big on the floor at a time, and so. That that brings up another quest, another point, but we'll talk about that maybe in a bit. But to me, like the way Rob has played in these two games in Indiana, but 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 even you know uh, you know earlier, uh, I think that he has earned more time. Um, you know, as you said, that you know effort is an issue. I think to me the bigger issue is just staying home. Um, you know, the the game, the first game against Miami uh, in Indiana. You know, there were a number of instances where he made mistakes and mistakes that should have pulled him from a, a game a year ago, uh, two years ago, for sure. Uh, Brad stuck with him and he was rewarded, you know, and, and really a, a, an outstanding effort from from Rob uh, in that game. And I thought that continued into the night. I thought, I really thought his, you know, almost 11 minutes were not enough, frankly. I mean, Tice to have twice as many minutes. Um, you know, I'd say Rob Williams had, uh, twice as good a performance as Daniel Tice. Um, Tice is not, to me, has really had a rough going here in these first four games. Um, and, and you really need to think about, you know whether what his long-term future is if if Rob's stepping up, um, but Rob needs to do this consistently. So you know we go into Memphis tomorrow. Um, it's a team with a very different lineup and 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 Jonas Valanciunas, and um, that's a, a different challenge for him. But if he can start to do this consistently and he can carve out consistently providing the team 15 to 20 minutes of good basketball a night then the Celtics can feel comfortable in trading Daniel Tice and they can feel good about their, their future uh, with Robert Williams maybe is, is, is brighter uh, because you're right. They, they were at a point where it's Fisher cut bait season with Rob Williams. Cause otherwise I think you, you try to move him this summer for sure. I love Thompson. I mean, I, I realized that there was a couple of times where he turned into a black hole trying to make something happen, you know, when he had two defenders on him. But earlier in the game, uh, in the second matchup tonight against Indiana, it worked out for him and he was able to get to the line. And I believe he had an and one. And and it. I don't want him to rely on it too much because I think there's so much opportunity with the potential shooting that could he could be out on the floor with, especially as the lineups get smaller and it's not Tice. 
for him to kick that back out and the ball to get swung and really lead to some open shots because he's a threat down there. Um, and every once in a while, he's going to have to, you know, impose his will and, and try to get that foul just so that the opponent knows it's there instead of just bullying for the boards. But it's made a difference on giving up second chance opportunities. Uh, I want to say there were tons of them against the Nets, but otherwise, and maybe even a decent amount against Milwaukee, but against Indiana, who's still pretty long, I don't feel like they got tons of second chance opportunities. And that was kind of the thing that made me want to kill myself watching this team last year. You talk about Tice, it's just at this point, I think we just have to chalk it up. He's not ever going to get respect from the officials. They're going to treat him like crap, and that's what makes him a liability, not because he's not a good player. Um, he's actually a really strong player in a lot of ways. And even the athleticism, him getting up there to go for dunks now that he's at that power forward instead of the center position, like I actually see growth from Tice, but he's never going to get the officials' respect at this point, and without it, he really can't be as effective as he needs to be. You might as well go. If he's going to end up being the guy off the bench behind Thompson, then you might as well just develop Williams and do something completely different. Yeah, and, and I, I love Daniel Tice. He has done such great things. He had a really good regular season in Boston. He did not have a great postseason, in my opinion. He had moments, but but regularly it was not a, a stellar effort in the, in the postseason for him. Uh you know he he has done he has well overperformed that contract and you know as as somebody who is a piece of this roster as a five million dollar player he's fine I mean he you know he's it's, it's great the problem I think the problem for Daniel Tice or the problem for the Celtics roster is there just don't aren't enough good players you know you've got three of your maybe eight best players are are centers <laughs> that's not great you know so. You know, you're you're forced to play uh, Tice, um, and and you know, would you rather have someone who's much more of a power forward, uh, you know, prototypical power forward, or even just a general wing, uh, you know, and have you know Tatum at the four and Brown at the two or three or whatever? That would be a better lineup. I think I think clearly the, the offense looks like a bit of a clogged toilet at, at times. So if if they could find a way to play <laughs> one big. Um, <laughs> if they could play one big, that'd be something. I thought even the mo- the minutes with the uh, when Grant was in there with Tice, it actually looked a little bit better until things kind of went up sideways when, uh, you know, Grant Grant just he's he's really struggling right now. Uh, Dude, but, he was so angry tonight, so <laughs> angry. Yeah, you know, he's starting to look a little bit like Big Baby to me sometimes. Um. So, uh, nice. yeah. For me, if I not said as that, bad. that's not, not as bad. It's definitely not it's a not term a of sign. endearment. No, but. no, not for me. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's start swinging some of this criticism Brad Stevens' way. But first, are we ready for some football? That's right. College football heads into bowl season, and there are some big matchups this weekend. NFL regular season is finishing up with the playoff picture becoming clear, and there's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code CLNS50 for your 50% welcome bonus. All right, so games of the week, college football, current headlines and sports. You got it all. We're going to talk about it and tee you up to go over to betonline.ag. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget, use that promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Woot. Woot, woot. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so yeah, Brad, well, do it. It's just, I figured you would just take, once you said, well, woot, okay, so it's like he's going to take right. us right to Brad. Yeah, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I think that the issue right now, and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to do the, I'm going to give it the pro side, then I'm going to go on the, of the, of the, the con side. The pro side is that, look, this roster is, it's rough. Um, <laughs> You know, I mean, once you get past Marcus Smart, um, okay, then you talk about Tatum, or you talk about Tice, and you talk about Tristan Thompson, okay. 
Now your next level of players are either Jeff Teague, who maybe doesn't have any buckets left in him. You've got Rob Williams, who's like, you know, um, right, just as we talked about, Peyton Pritchard, who's never played, you know, Grant, who should be better, but seemingly hasn't. I mean, it's just a lot of question marks. And so I'll, I'll give I'll give Brad some credit in that there's not a lot of clarity there. Um, and it's so it's, it's difficult to put together rotations and players that are on the court. All right. Now I'm going to go to the con side. The con side is this. The Boston Celtics are not going to go very far unless they don't develop, unless they're unless they're able to develop the players that are currently on the roster. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can play great basketball, can be stars in the making, all stars to be. We can have Kemba Walker, you know, come back and have a healthy knee. Um, you know, Thompson can be fine, and, and who knows, Tice and sure, you know, Marcus Smart can be Defensive Player of the Year. All those things can happen. But if if the bench, the after you get to the Tice Thompson line, if the if the bench is right where it is, uh, come May, come April, it's not going to matter. <laughs> it's not going to matter because those guys are going to have to play 48 minutes a night. It's that's really going to be like the 80s. So. This has got to be this time right now. I'm not. I'm not going to lose my mind about wins or losses. What I'm going to lose my mind out is if Brad can't find a way to get confidence either in himself or for the players in themselves over this first six weeks of this season, then we're in real trouble. And so. Why we don't see Aaron Neesmith when the team doesn't seem to show purpose or can't seem to score. Uh, why Grant Williams, I think he's had more minutes, but why Rob Williams gets half as many minutes as Daniel Tice when he's clearly playing better than him. You know, those are the things that are just, those those are the issues. And I, and I see Peyton Pritchard as kind of the, the outlier to this. He's played well and he's got an opportunity. And so maybe that's the pathway those guys need to follow. But I got to tell you, when I'm looking at that clogged toilet offense there in the third quarter, um, I'm saying, I need shooting out there. I need a guy who can fill it up. Where can I find? Oh, yeah, I've got somebody on my bench who shot 52% from the field last year in college. So I, I just, this is an opportunity. And to roll out Shemi Ojale, to roll out Jeff Teague, Javante had some good minutes out there tonight. I, I I would stick with him. I thought he he showed energy. You know, I'm not going to complain when it's going well, but when it's not going well, when somebody doesn't have a great first half, then give somebody else a different somebody else a try. And the fact that Aaron Neesmith, four games in, still has not really played a minute in anger uh, in this season is is to me crazy. But you know, look, times are ticking. You know, we're four games in and we're no closer closer to seeing if Aaron Neesmith can play. Uh, and and they need to know if he can play for me in April. And and why wait? <laughs> why wait? I just don't understand it. I, I understand that they haven't had time to, to to do the summer league and do all the things that they're prepared for. But <laughs> if we're going to lose games, if this is a trial period for this team, and I believe it is, then you you throw everything to the wind and you try to develop those young players. I think that's the only way you can do it. I don't think you can worry about your seeding. I think you worry about trying to get, not only to get them as players, but to get trade value so that way you can turn these players into other players who, who you are veterans who you can play and overuse, you know? So that's my frustration with Brad right now. I don't feel like he's, I feel like he still holds it against rookies when they make mistakes. I think he gives too much credit to, his old hand guys that he's had around and, and I'd like to I'd like to see him, you know, play the kids. So that's my that's my that's my beef. So you're basically equating him to Doc now. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And to that point, and we we've talked about this a long time, you know, and it was something Steve Bobet talked about, how Danny and, and and Doc would have kind of friction. Not a lot of friction, but a little bit of friction of Danny wants to see the young kids play. Doc wants to win. And this is this is the conflict between GMing and coaching. 
because you know it's just <laughs> they're look sometimes they're they're coming at it from two very different uh, perspectives. But Brad needs to take a little bit more of a of a GM and look at this to try to develop this in the long haul and not try to pull out every you know last second situation. But here's the uh, thing, and here's what's interesting. Do you think that the reason that Pritchard got all these minutes is because he plays a position of need and he did four years in school and that's the, how you would compare and contrast him to uh, Neesmith because I don't – that's the thing that's kind of mystifying. Like I hear what you're saying. That's why I think you know Rob Williams needs more time, but he really is playing the kids because they're all kids, right? <laughs> if you really think about it, they're all still kids. This is a super young team, especially with Kemba being – you know, out. Uh, who's their oldest guy? Thompson, Tice, and Smart. Is that their oldest three with Kemba out? Yeah, I think that's I think that's true. I mean, this I is mean, a real yeah, right. He's mid twenties, right? This is just an incredibly young team to begin with. So I, I do hear what you're saying, but I almost say you have to reframe it to the newer guys. I don't even think you can say the young guys on this roster anymore. You gotta be like, Brad, play the newer guys. Let's see what we've got. When your when your rotations look bad, or how about when nobody can hit an outside shot? Go with the guy you drafted for shooting. Either way, that's a good criticism, even if it's just a spot criticism for one game. It doesn't even have to be a long term criticism. You have a team that's, you know, this isn't been the case every night but it but it definitely was in that first indiana game i feel like it was pretty pretty rough actually during a lot of the stretches of the game against uh milwaukee but that you know that's the home opener you don't really know yet but when when you don't have when you're missing outside shots regularly your shooting percentage is low why not use a guy you drafted for shooting to see what he's got that's 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 the whole thing right there. Yeah, I mean right now, and, and I'm not saying that this is the thing, but if 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 the choice is between Jeff Teague, let's say, okay, and and uh, and Aaron Neesmith, which I don't think that's the the but you know right now Teague's shooting 27 percent from the field after a pretty hot shooting first game against Milwaukee, you know. Um, he's gained the line. Yes, that's happening. You know, and he's, he's dishing and he's got steals. I mean, I, I'm not saying he's a complete loss. Um, but like, <laughs> I just, the team needs shooting. It needs a wing player. The, the team has no wing players. I mean, if, if, unless you count Javante green, uh, or, or semi there are no wing players who are part of this rotation. Um, uh, so, why not see what he can do? I mean, there are shortcomings that you're that you're accepting by having those guys in. Javante is not a shooter. You know, he hit a three tonight, missed two others. That's okay, 33%. I'll take that from him. Um, Shemi, uh, yeah, his offense is, um, yeah, anyway. So I, I just, if you have well, those lineups, those bench lineups, why not add some shooting? You know, well, if I think they Brown were, well, and Tatum are such great defenders, and, and yeah. maybe Smart's on the floor, they can erase some of the some of the mistakes that uh, Neesmith comes up with. Yeah, you know? I hear that. So I think a lot of it also has to do with the teams that they matched up against, and we definitely need to see a change in that starting lineup. It can't be Tyson Thompson anymore. I mean, we talked about it. That, that was one of those that I flew out there, like, hey. You know, what are the odds that Tice plays out there with Thompson? I thought it was low odds. Turns out that's been the starting lineup through four games. And it really runs counter to anything that we've seen from Brad. He's always been much more likely to go small. So this seems out of character for him. But then when you look at the teams that they played against, the size of those teams, look at Indiana. They play with two bigs that one shoots threes and the other one passes you know, almost as good as his dad did, and yet both can still play somewhat inside, and they have some good attacking guards. Like, when you look at that, I think there's a reason that that's been the lineup. I think he's been afraid to give up size 
through the first four games. But look who's on deck now. We've got the Grizzlies. We're going to have two games against the Pistons. Uh, I feel like they can give up size against Toronto. Then Miami might be another one where they're a little eh. But Thompson ought to be able like that's the game I can't wait. I mean, I realize that we're talking a week away now, but it's that heat game with Bam uh playing up against Tristan Thompson. I want to see how much we've mitigated that issue with this offseason acquisition. I think that could be huge. So when you look at some of these, I think they can go smaller and I think it will allow Brad to consider using you know, Neesmith, et cetera. The thing I will say for Green, and I realize you're not disparaging him, but he at least is knocking down his three-pointers. And then a player we didn't see in the second game against Indiana, I don't even think a single minute, was Ojale, which was interesting because Ojale had a really great game uh, in the first time uh, go-around against Indiana. So it was kind of surprising that a guy who stood out as maybe finally putting it together literally gets a DNP the next night out. So I have a feeling, too, that Brad is probably trying to transition through some of these wing players to see what he has, but he wants to give them each some continuity. So he probably went back to green a little bit. I think Neesmith's going to get some minutes coming up here in the next few games. There's, I think he, I think, no, I think Brad probably had a strategy for going through them but the more he goes mix and match the less chemistry that he can get developed on you know a roster that hasn't had any time together is already impacted by Kemba being out and had a very unique set of matchups through the first four games that were going to force him out of his comfort zone to begin with and reduce the minutes available for some of those wings. That if makes this, too much sense. Yes, but the, it does. <laughs> it does until it's not what happens over the next five or six games. That's kind of what I'm saying. If this continues, you know, through the Detroits and then on to Indiana and Miami, and they stay big, because we know, we know that Kemba's not going to be back for any of those. So if it continues through that stretch, I think you have a serious beef uh, and one that's been fully legitimized at that wow. point. I mean, look, we've seen Brad, how Brad <laughs> coaches this team. I mean, I, the, the thing is, I mean, you're right, but the thing is, is that the way that Brad has um, coached this team forever um, really has been a reliance on vets over over young players. I mean, that, that's just been what it took to get Terry Rozier on the court. What it took to get. Rob Williams on the court, what it took to get even Jalen Brown on the court. Uh, you know, it, there was a lot of, uh, you and I and, and, and others have certainly been saying, you know, why aren't these guys playing? He's been somebody who's been reticent to play young players. Um, he wants them to prove it, prove that they can defend um, before they're on the court. Um, and and I, don't, I don't take issue with that usually. But with the situation they find themselves in at the start of this year, with a bench like it is now, and and really I think a very clear expectation as to what the future of this franchise is, it's entirely dependent upon Brown and Tatum, and it's entirely dependent upon what they can build around Brown and Tatum. So build for it now, you know. What I don't maybe you get some you know get a few wins and you're able to to go from the five seed or to the four seed or whatever. But truthfully, it's none of that's going to matter if, you know, Aaron Neesmith can't hit threes at, at a decent clip. You know, it's not even it's going to matter if Peyton Pritchard um, isn't able to uh, hold his own against Goran Dragic uh, to some degree, you know, or, or, or Rob Williams can, can try to hold some minutes down when Bam's out. You know, those are the things that, that the team – I look at in the future, and and I think you're right. I mean, there could there's a lot of um, you look at the, what's coming ahead for the Celtics. They have these two games against Indiana, which are two very big focus teams. Milwaukee's a big team. Um, Detroit certainly plays big, um, and then things do change in terms of how the you know the the uh, the schedule favors things. But I just I look at the history of how how Brad has run things, and it's I would just have hoped that the team was focused a little bit more on that future piece than it is now. Um, so let's hope it's, it's matchup dependent and um, we're going to see a little bit more Aaron Neesmith um, 
and, and a little less uh, Chevy Ojale, a little less uh, sometimes, you know, and maybe even a little less, you know, Daniel Tice. I mean, I think he, I think to me, yeah, what I've seen go, out of this, you can go less Tice. It's, you, it's you can time. you can go to more wings because the ball's not moving. It, and there yeah. and he's and the other issue for Tice, not only is he not getting calls. He's not hitting his threes. He hit his first two threes against Milwaukee. He hasn't hit one since. He's not spacing the floor. We already know Thompson doesn't. It's too congested. It allows them to double on Tatum out on the perimeter. It's causing Tatum tons of problems, which is a criticism for Tatum, actually. thought he adjusted well you know, in the second half and definitely yes, in the fourth quarter finally. against Indiana. But, Jesus, that took way too long for him to, to figure out and the rest of the team for that matter that just he shouldn't be bringing the ball up when they aren't moving the ball <laughs> because the trap works and it works immediately and it's it's just they're losing so much time on the shot clock so I love the way uh, Peyton Pritchard actually set him up it just all they need to do is get Tatum the ball a little bit on the move and then he does that nice sidestep and he has all that space that he gets um, with the sidestep slash step back, fade away. And then he's knocking those down, and it's right in his sweet spot. It's just when he's trying to create that off somebody else's screen and off the dribble, and they're already throwing a double way high beyond the three-point arc on him, it's just it's so congested, dude. It's disgusting. So they do they need to go more switchable. Now, the last topic I want to hit, and we only maybe got five or so minutes here, but the last topic I want to hit relates to to a couple of tweets that you sent out and a conversation that's been kind of going on in weird Celtics Twitter for a little while, at least a week or so, is the potential acquisition of somebody like Aaron Gordon, who, you know, the two tweets that I've seen from you and variations thereof uh, go something along the lines of, Aaron Gordon fancies himself a number one scorer on a team, and if he would accept his role, he could be successful somewhere else, uh, potentially with the Celtics, and you like the fit in the lineup, but then also that you think Aaron Gordon's price tag might not even be that high. Maybe one solid young player and a future pick might be able to pry him free from Orlando, and I love his fit. I like being able to do something where you move Tatum and Brown back to the two and the three, something I've talked about quite a lot, but they could also go small and he could be your small ball center and you could still put a, right. a Pritchard and a smart in the backcourt. Or when Kemba comes back, maybe you, you use Peyton and smart as the two guards off the bench, you, you know, and, uh, and, and then Teague fits in where he fits. Maybe, maybe that actually starts to cause some problems for you and you do go more small ball, but either way, it would give them that same flexibility and switchability. But the concern, maybe less, you know, I know everybody wants to talk about the potential hardened trade, which I think is just never going to happen and don't want it to happen. So I don't even want to spend any time on it. It's everywhere else. It's been worked <laughs> from every angle. Um, it's a dried up. It's a freaking raisin for our show. But the Aaron Gordon piece is not a raisin. It's a grape. It's a juicy grape where we can talk about, you know, what that might look what that might look like. And so do you do you think that his desire to be a number one option is predicated on where he's at and the team he's on and the role that he wants to play there? Or do you think that that's going to play out over his career and make it difficult for him to mesh with a team like Boston? If yeah, you so, traded? well, um, okay, let me, I, the thing that I would say about, about, uh, about Gordon, uh, yeah, I'm concerned that, that Aaron Gordon would be somebody who um, still fancies himself as a number one scorer. Who, who thinks of his role as somebody who's who's much more of a of a creator, uh, as somebody who you know creates his own offense, who's a wing, who's going out there and he he can't be that. He can be Sean Marion. Um, he can be uh, you know PJ Tucker. He can be somebody who makes the other pieces fit. I mean, he, he has been somebody who I think uh, does see the game quite well, um, who has incredible, incredible physical gifts. 
um, and and really can be the type of player who can who could um, become a, a a a really good defender, someone who you could put on you know bigger forwards, um, and and then thus allow Tatum and Brown to to not have to guard those guys. I think what we've seen is they miss somebody who's switchable. I think that's clear as day. And there's a lot of people who say, you know, Evan Fournier and and Terrence Ross. And I think that those guys, they would fix the scoring issues for sure. But I'm worried more about the defense at this point. I, I really, I, that's the bigger concern for me. I think if they can get 15 to 16, 17 points out of um, Aaron Gordon attacking the rim, I think that they can more than make it up elsewhere. You know, again, this is the TPE. We're not talking about the third star here. We're talking about a player that you can get with very for very little cost. Additionally, maybe a draft pick, maybe a young player, maybe a draft pick, any young player, depending on who it is. I don't think you're talking about a lot, and you're talking about now. Having said that, Orlando is the only team left that's undefeated in the league, so they may not be luck, you know, uh, likely to move on. Um, things are going to have to turn south quickly for Orlando, and they still might. But I just I don't think that I, I like what's going on with with. Um, I think he's a good fit. I think he's a good fit next to Brown and Tatum. Would I like him to be a three point shooter? Yeah, I would. But you know, you can't get everything for basically giving up very next to nothing. So. That's the choice. Is the choice does that make it an issue? Well, I was just going to say, does that make it make it an issue when you're looking at developing somebody like Rob Williams or taking advantage of a acquisition like Tristan Thompson? Is is that going to really can he Ben Simmons it enough so that that works? Or do you think looking at kind of what we've already seen? I realize he's way better than Tice. But looking at the congestion issues with Tyson Thompson, does that really exacerbate that? Um, I think it does exacerbate that. But you're not if you're not playing them both at, at the same time, it's not as big of an issue. I mean, look, I mean, you play smart out there, and he can make people pay. Is he is he the dead eye shooter? No. But, you know, look, you're looking at a period where you're mixing and matching anyway. I mean, to me, Neesmith is somebody you want to have on the court. You want to get somebody. But, you know, there are times when Miami's not closing with with Duncan Robinson. He's the best shooter in the league uh, last year. So, you know, there's times when you need that. There's times you play Jay Crowder. There's times you play, you know, Derek Jones Jr. I mean, we saw that in that Miami series. You need a lot of bodies and a lot of different skill sets you can throw out of the situation. I think, but your, your default is to find a lot of guys who can do a lot of things. Other times, maybe Kemba sits and, and smarts at the at the one. You know, sure, yeah. And, you know, you have Neesmith as the shooter. And there's other times, I mean, I think that that was the, mod, the, the modularity of that Miami team, to me, was almost perfection in terms of, you plug and play, you plug and play. We know that Tatum and Brown, that we get two seats of that that are completely locked solid. You know you're going to have good or bad offense or defense. Those guys are going to be in there. The question is, can you find the other pieces that fit around them? Smart fits a lot of them. Kemba fits a lot of them. Um, you know, t- Tristan Thompson fits a lot of them. To me, they need one more guy who's flexible and switchable and defendable, you know, who can defend a lot of different positions. That's what made the Celtics so tough to beat as a team. And I think that that's what they could add to me for very little cost. And still potentially, now here's the other end of it, on a two-year contract, if you do if you do get someone who is playing well, you can then flip that person for a Brad Beal or for, you know, whoever the next star to come out is. So, you know, it's not like you got to hold on to it. It means – Okay, now you've got that asset to yeah, turn to something else. Is is Evan Fournier getting? You have you have to resign Evan Fournier. Yeah. Is is yeah. is Terrence Ross going to get you excited? No. So, to me, I think is if the cost is reasonable, and this is all hypothetical, if the cost is reasonable, then then yeah, that's Gordon to me would be the ideal candidate. But 
you know, if they keep going undefeated, that that ship's going to sail pretty fast. Well, so we'll we'll end on this. The standings are all up in the air anyway. For everybody that's upset that Boston's two and two, Toronto's zero and three, Milwaukee is <laughs> is one and two, Miami is is one and one. They must be playing a game tonight, uh, and it's not done yet. But they're one and one. And then atop the standings, you have Orlando and Atlanta at three and zero. Now Indiana, Philly, three and one. Not well, so much of a surprise, but even Brooklyn, they. Came Miami's out on fire in their first two games is now two and two. Miami's one and one, but they just lost to Milwaukee one forty four to ninety seven. So, so you know. they're one and two, and Milwaukee's <laughs> two and two. Is that what you're telling that's me? A, they're one and two, yeah. So that's a, yeah. but you know that's a that's a big hurt. So uh, you know, I, I th- everything is Cleveland. Cleveland is three and one. You know, yeah. so it's just so early. It speaks to the shortened training camp. I think you have to have a certain level of patience with this club. And and I know we didn't talk about this and we can save this for, for the next show. But Kemba Walker 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 <laughs> <laughs> It's funny, I, I, I don't know why I can't say Walker these days, but I've already messed that up once and my son has been teasing me all this Christmas break because I said it almost like a Frenchman, so he now every time he every time he watches the Celtics he goes Kemawake because I can't say it right for some reason I don't know what I don't know what is going on but but anyway the, for everybody who's frustrated with you know Kemba being out and the prospects of uh, him missing a great deal of time and then the Gordon Hayward PTSD issues that may be coming along and being uh, recency biased attached to Kemba's issues with the knee. Much better to make sure Kemba's 100% in the postseason at this point. I don't give a crap if he doesn't play until the very end of this season, as long as they're in playoff contention and he is right in the postseason. So all of that to be discussed, and uh, that's going to do it for this week's show. But as a reminder, you can support Celtic Stuff Live by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. We'd certainly appreciate a rating and review. Your feedback is important to the show. And for John Duke and myself, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Celtic Stuff Live.